welcome to In Progress, a podcast to help you grow and learn how to become a better version of yourself. Now, here's your host, Michael Cerigliano. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of In Progress. I'm your host, Michael Cerigliano, with special guest, music producer, Alex Cavillage. Thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely, not a problem. It's so, the first time I've ever called you Mike in your life. It's normally Michael. As it should be. <laughs> Papa, Papa would not be happy. Papa would not be happy with me right now. So last episode that Alex was on, uh, it was a while back towards the beginning of In Progress. Uh, I highly suggest checking out that episode. He talks in depth about his battle through addiction and the dark path that he went on through his battle with addiction and how he came out on the other end, successful, healthy, and happy. And the reason why I brought him on today is to give us an update and run through that one more time for everyone at home. Uh, I feel as though an in-person interview is obviously going to be a lot more effective and a lot more, a lot more feeling involved, a lot more emotion involved than just a zoom call. So that's why we did this again. And I told everyone watching and you last time that I did the interview, I'm going to bring it back. <clears throat> so here we are. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked, so. So um, last episode that you were on, we were talking about how you, how you kind of started off with the drug addiction um, and how it started as like a small thing. And then you kind of, it kind of took, it's it stepped up, 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 up until finally yeah. you reached that like. Well, not up. At every low. day point. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, so why don't you <clears throat> run through that for everybody? Like, what? Sure. Are, how did it start for you? So, uh, you know, like we said in the last video, and I definitely recommend, you know, who's watching, check out the video. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, you know, I'm not going to say his name, you know, mutual friend between us. You know, we'll keep him, keep him anonymous because, yes. you know, that's not, you know, I'm not here to tell anybody else's story but mine. But, uh, you know, we just started, you know, one night, you know, I had always told myself, you know, I would, I remember actually back up a little bit. I remember in maybe seventh grade, it was talking mm -hmm. with our, our friend Colby Creamer. Mm -hmm. um, we were just, just, you know, messing around. I think it might've been a free period or something. We're talking about, uh, you know, weed and how yeah. like he told, he told me, he's like, I may drink when I'm older, but I'll probably never smoke weed. And I told him, I was like, probably never drink or smoke weed. And, you know, you know, we're sitting here talking about a path through addiction. So, you know, it's a funny way to start it. But, uh, you know, that friend of ours um, in our, you know, our circle there, uh, you know, we had, we ended up smoking weed one night. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I don't even think I smoked it right. I didn't really get high. Honestly, we we're, we we're at our other friend's house where we always hung out. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I was basically like trying to pretend to myself that I was high, like trying to feel it, trying to, mm -hmm. and I never got that. And I think that might've started a little bit of a, you know, a seeking behavior. Like maybe I'll try that again, just to see if I can do it right. Yeah. You know, went online, did a little bit of research, found yeah. out you have to actually inhale it. Yeah. You have to inhale it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's how you get high guys. You have to inhale, you have the, to weed. inhale the weed. But I, I definitely understand what you're saying there, because I remember the first time that you and I the first time that you introduced me to um, Coke, I remember we were uh, in front of Tops. You were skating, and I don't. I think I came. I came. I got out of work and I met you there. Yeah. And we did a uh, a line off of my car. Off your car, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't feel anything. 
And I, at that point, that's what kind of had me, as we were talking earlier, mm-hmm. kind of pursue that feeling. Because so many yeah. people talk positively about the effects of it. And you're like, well, I didn't experience that. I need to try it again and again and again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, by the time we, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold. Um, you know, by the time we were, you know, smoke, smoking the weed for the first time, you know, we were in high school and we knew a handful, if not more than a handful of people that smoke weed and mm-hmm. daily, you know, daily smokers went to school high. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, what is, what is the allure behind that? So when I didn't get high that time and I, you know, tried very hard to feel it, you know, I, I definitely, you know, definitely wanted to try that out. And that's, that's how my drug addiction started, right? It was, Mm. um, doing a little research online, you know, of various drugs, like, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about as we get deeper into my story, but like Molly MDMA, you Mm. know? Um, I looked it up one day on the computer, you know, read the, read the effects of it, you know, euphoria, which if anybody doesn't know, euphoria is, um, a enhanced, like feeling of well-being, like extreme happiness. So that, you know, the word obviously happy is for happy, you know, euphoria is a scientific term as a side effect for certain drugs that cause an intense, pleasurable experience. So, you know, I read. I read that, you know, it gave you euphoria and all this different kinds of stimulation, whatever it was. And I made sure, you know, I immediately went on Facebook and found somebody that I probably thought knew where I could get it. And yeah. I got it, you know, yeah. and that's, that's basically the beginning of my, my drug addiction. You so know? when you, when you did the Molly for the first time, you hit somebody up that you thought had it and did you do it by yourself or did you have somebody there to do it with? That guy... That, that we guy talked did about, it with, did it uh, with me, and uh, this um, well, only because we had done something earlier. So I can I can go through that story. Actually, it's it's kind of funny. I, mm-hmm. I mean, not funny. You know, nobody's addiction is retrospectively funny. is funny now. When we think of yeah, when yeah. we think on it, yes, retrospectively, you know, is a funny experience. Um, I'll tell the whole story just because you know somebody might get a kick out of it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, this guy, same guy that we smoked me and I smoked weed together for the first time, you know, um, he ended up picking me up at my house one night. Excuse me. It was, uh, must've been like eight thirty nine PM. Just had a fight with my parents for going out. Cause they already knew this guy was bad news. You know, everybody did, you know, I told them, you know, I'm going to spend the night at so-and-so's house, you know, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. I'm you know, strong. I'm yeah, not going to give into it. By this time I've only smoked weed, but you know, the reason we had the fight was because I was going out every single night. You know, I was never spending any time at home. And, you know, yeah. I was only 18, 19 years old. And, like, you know, you sp- you got to spend time at home with your parents mm-hmm. and do things, you know, make, like, you're part of the family. So we got into a fight, whatever. She let me go. And uh, he picked me up, and we ended up going to the gas station. Gets, I think it was Black and Miles, actually. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, like, Swisher. Maybe, you know, something to just nicotine, not yeah. not weed. Um, you know, at this point, I was smoking cigarettes, and, you know, I caught it from college. So we must have been 19 because this was after I dropped out of college. Right, right. Directly due to drugs, basically. Yeah. You know, partying and joining a fraternity and just not going to class. Um Chose drugs over the education. Chose drugs over the education. And uh, so he picked me up, went to the gas station. And when he got back, or when I got back into the car after buying the Black and Milds or, you know, whatever we bought, he pulled out a little baggie of, you know, white, 
white stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea what it was. He told me it was called Mephedrone, M-E-P-H-E-Drone, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is supposed to be is bath salts, for, oh. for lack of a better term. Nice. You know, bath salts is a very broad term. I mean, there's a lot of drugs that we want to get scientific. You know, I've done the research. You oh, know, yeah. we'll, we'll probably you make get sure into, your research before yeah, you do it. We'll get we'll get into this. You know, throughout this video, I'm sure. But like, it, bath salts are, fall under a category of cathinones, mm -hmm. um, and there's different types of cathinones. M cathinone, which is what we did, methadrone is called methyl cathedrone or something like that. But there's a whole bunch of different kinds. But anyway, we got this kind. And he looks at me and he's like, dude, I did this at home. It's the best thing I've ever tried in my entire life. You're going to do it. And I'm like, no, dude, I am not putting anything up my nose. You know, that, I, that was where I drew the line at this point, right? Because I've, I've only smoked weed and cigarettes, drank, you know, at college. Yeah. I, I had done a little bit of Molly, but I didn't snorted it was more of a oral which apparently gives you better effects i guess they say i, I who knows high is high exactly and at least by the end of it you know high is high it doesn't even make a difference anymore but um so we you know we ended up going to tops i finally decided all right man let's just do it whatever we go into tops in spencerport mm -hmm. it's 10 o'clock at night nobody's in there we have a Nothing to snort it with. No money, no straw, nothing. Um, and we're literally in the Topps Cafe area, sitting at a table. He pours it out on the table. Oh, wow. Right in the middle of Topps. I walked over to the butcher, asked for a straw and scissors so we could cut the straw. He gave it to me. Didn't even Not think to, anything of it. Didn't even think anything of it. I have no idea how we acquired this. So... Turns out, as we find out after when we tried to find more of it, mm -hmm. that one of those bags is actually two lines, and I did it all in the one line. So you did the entire bag. In the one entire line. bag in one line. Yeah, I, so you don't I play around. No, never, man. The moral of my story, man. I'm bigger, go bigger, go home, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, so we, you know, I, I snorted on the line. Hunter did his bag. He did the whole bag too. Oh, I should have just said his name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Okay, we'll we'll keep it's it a right. hunter. Right. We'll keep it a hunter. Nobody knows his last name. He's probably long gone anyway. Um, <laughs> God dark. Uh, but uh, so we we uh, we did our thing. Mm -hmm. Worst burn. Like my head felt like it was going to explode. Wow. Really? Like it was, it was literally like snorting glass, dude. Um, and I, I'm like walking around tops like. Head on my hand, like oh my god, what's going on? I ended up buying, buying a Pepsi, I think, to like mm. wash it, to just something to just get rid of this like headache that yeah. I was having. You know, it only lasted maybe, maybe like, I don't know, five, five, ten minutes, which mm. which in, is a decent amount of time. But I mean, it passed pretty quickly in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. All in all, we we spent six hours in the tops parking lot. High six hours off our ass, just listening to music and laughing. So, what is the high like when you do? This? It was it was like an intense Molly high. Like you what take you mean? take the best Molly you can get, mm -hmm. right? Which is um, stimulation that euphoria we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it can increase your libido, um, all this stuff. Like just think of 
I'm trying to think of like a good like explanation of what it would feel like without like just listing symptoms, you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, let's say the greatest thing you win the lottery, mm-hmm. right? Take that five minute high you get from winning the lottery mm-hmm. and expand that six hours, right? That's what it felt like. Wow. This intense, pleasurable feel. Your body is just tingling. It's warm. You've got this, you know, your, my literally lips were probably here, you know. Uh-huh, okay. this, Looking like li- Joker. Yeah, just listening to music. The music, you can just feel it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to this day, that night was the best high I have had in my entire life. Out of every single drug I have tried, every single high I've ever had. Really? Besides maybe the first time I did heroin, right? Really? Wait, That's, so the first time you did heroin topped that? Maybe. Or matched that? Matched it, I would say. Okay. Yep, matched it. And because I was never able to find this meth, methadrone again, mm-hmm. because the heroin gave me that high. It's a different high, completely different high. Yeah. But the overall sensation, we can call it, right? Yeah. Matched. It's equally satisfying. Equally satisfying. Especially when you inject it, right? Right. Um, But so we, yeah, we spent six, seven hours in that Topps parking lot. Mm. And then by the like six hour, we're texting. um, Do you remember those two guys that we spent every night at their house? At the the trap house? No, no, no. Not the trap house. Before the trap house. To where? In Spencerport? Spencerport. Two guys, you spent time at their house, but it wasn't... Not the trap house. With the, the really fat kid. And his... And his... Ghetto... Yeah. That's the trap house. I'm thinking of the other trap house. Like, no, later on. I'm talking about the trap house at the corner of Ridgeway. We're being so vague for these people. It's, uh, like, crazy. You're talking You're, ta- you're talking about uh, the Spencerport Party the House. The Spencerport Party that House. That is what I refer that's to where as the trap Hun- That's where Hunter got... This stuff from. Oh, okay. Not from the fat kid, but the ghetto kid. Got you, got right? you. Got so you. we were texting him. He couldn't get any more of it. Anyway, so our night was done. We ended up going to a friend of mine that I played volleyball with. Um, his name's Alex as well, actually. Um, yeah. I didn't know who you're talking about. There's no way that he's you're about to say he got drugs. You know who I'm talking about? Pretty sure. I played, played volleyball at Spencer with. No, no, no. He played in Gates Challenge. Oh, okay, go ahead anyway. So he, we ended up buying some Xanax off of him. Just to go to sleep at night. I remember staying up all, you know, not being able to sleep. I must not have taken enough Xanax. And actually, to this day, until my final overdose, right? Until I finally, this last time when I finally decided to kick the bucket and be done, mm-hmm. right? 19 months ago, I have never, ever tried or sought out any sort of benzo like xanax valium any of that stuff i was actually for a period of time prescribed valium and ativan mm-hmm. which are in the same category never abused it nothing like that um for some reason they just didn't do it for me right right well so i ended up staying up staying up all night you know laying on the floor hunter hunter slept um he know, was a little I, more used to it i guess so <laughs> i don't i mean between me and you, we know that he's well, at, at least at that part, he was well advanced oh, yeah. compared to me. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we always knew him as that. He was that guy. That guy. Yeah. You know, um, actually. Now, yep, go ahead. comparing the heroin high, that first heroin high to methadrone, the, you said it's a similar type of high. There's similarities between the two. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're saying that the methadrone lasted six hours. The heroin did not last six hours, right? Isn't it, it de- like a it de- quick de- it thing? De- it depends on how you do it. So I don't know if you want to go through my story before we get to the heroin, but yeah. where we can talk to the talk about the heroin first. Well, I guess this is kind of like a short thing when we're talking about the effects, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I first tried heroin, I snorted it because I was, you know, I didn't have any needles on me. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of needles, but that was like where I drew the line, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I'm sure as they can see and hear, right? There are many lines that yeah, were we drawn that we completely blew by yeah. always, right? Uh-huh. I remember telling you that if I ever did heroin to just punch me in the face and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you never punched me in the face, you know? But I don't think do it, it would have done anything, right? No. Doubt it. You would have chased it regardless. I would have felt like shit. Yeah, I'd just be walking around with two, three teeth and... You know, gotten it out of the way. Yeah, was I was in my teeth. I was a lot less aggressive back then, too. So, like, when you yeah. said that, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I know you I did. did. And I'm yeah. like, mm, I do Yeah, you know. But anyway, about the fact, right, um, heroin, when you snort it, lasts a lot longer than when you shoot it. So okay. if, if you snort it and you do enough, you know, um, you'll it'll last maybe three, four hours, which definitely is less than the methadrone. Mm-hmm. You shoot it, you get this rush quick. Like the minute that you're pressing the plunger, right? Mm-hmm. You're already high, Ooh. right? You're already high. Aren't you like strapped though? Yeah, you use, well, we use a tourniquet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, and you still feel the effects of the high, even like that quickly, even when you tourniquet? Immediately. Really? Yeah. And then when you release it, that's when. Yep. And, it's, and it's not just like, boom, high. It's like a rush. Your body, like from your toes up, you get warm, 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 and then boom, you're done injecting it and you're like, you know, yeah, it's like, but the injecting, you know, you're lucky to be high for an hour. Really? Yeah. It, it quickly through your system. The minute, the minute you have to pee, right? Mm-hmm. Gone, done. Really? Mm-hmm. You're not peeing out the, the drugs. No, I, well, I mean, over time, you know, you, you do pee gotcha, out the gotcha, heroin, gotcha. but it just always felt like, you know, when I, when I felt like I had to pee, done. I knew I was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, uh, so one thing that I, I, I really, I don't think I ever asked you, um, but your comfort in putting a needle into your vein, mm-hmm. how did you go about that? Because like me personally, I've tried to wrap my head around that for multiple things, not just heroin, not just, like I thought about it, like heroin, how do you do it? Steroids, people that do steroids mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, and I just can't wrap my head around being comfortable injecting something into yourself. And especially like with steroids, you're kind of jabbing into a general area. Right. But with heroin, you have to find a vein. So you can miss a vein and still get high, first of all. So would you be injecting it into like a muscle at that point? It would kind of be in like the space between the vein and the muscle. And it's very bad for your arm, mm-hmm. right? You can get like abscesses and stuff for missing a vein, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. But if you do miss a vein, you still get high. It's gotcha. just not, I mean, it's, you still get that rush. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I missed my fair share of veins, right? But you still, you still get high. But I mean, I can only speak for myself and how I ended up doing it. But I think, you know, from what I've learned in, I'm not, I can't say the name of the group that I'm in because we're not on right, press right. and stuff. But um, as I've learned from other people, 
who have addictions, whether they be alcohol or any, any drug. You know, I've met a lot of people along my road who are in recovery that have different vices than me. You know, mine ended up being opiates, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but if from learning from them, even though I can really only tell my story of how I did it, but I would say that the majority of people who start to inject heroin or anything, I mean, you can inject Coke, you can inject, um, really? yeah, you can inject basically anything as long <clears throat> as you melt it down properly. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, even for me, somebody does it to you the first time, mm -hmm. the second time, the third time. And then until you can't find that person is when you attempt it. Yourself. Oh, so it's not like a leveling up or maturing. It's kind of like, like I need this high no and other, they're not yeah, here. When you have no other route and you can't find somebody to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, usually by that time, you've seen somebody do it a few times, you know where your vein is, right? Yeah. And then you try it yourself. And that's how it happened for me. Somebody did it to me a couple times, and I wanted to get high. I had the bag, um, and I either couldn't, I can't really remember properly that night, but, like, I, I either couldn't find somebody, I couldn't leave the house, well, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I happened to have a needle, you know, I just did it myself right into the same vein that everybody else had done it in. Cause it, I mean, you can't really see mine anymore, but I, back in the day I had pretty good veins and you can really see it. Um, in order. So the tricky part is, is that if you inject it into an artery, you're gone, Ooh. you're gone. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you, you can live, you know, but usually, Dangerous. usually, yeah, especially mm -hmm. once you pull the needle out, if you hit an artery, it's squirts, oh, like, you know, really, yeah, you know that you've hit an artery. So, you know, I did a little, again, did a little research. Mm -hmm. If you look in the arm, if, I don't know if you can see in yours, but there's a main vein right here that goes mm -hmm. down. There's another one yep. that comes off like, yep. There's another one here that comes off like a Y. Mm-hmm. This right here is your artery. So it makes like an M, the one all the way to the, towards the center of the arm, I believe. It's been a while. It could be this one. Uh, but one of the outlier ones is the artery. Mm -hmm. um, however, by the end of my drug use, I really wasn't using my arm anymore. I was using my leg and in between the toes, in between your fingers, you know, you really, find, yeah, you are find there it. veins in there that you could use, or is it just kind of injecting the, into your it's body? Because the skin is so thin mm. that you get that high, even though you're missing a vein. There's there are veins that run through your hand and stuff like that, but like you know, that's usually when you run out of places is when you start trying that. You know, yeah, I've actually known people that use their neck vein. Mm. I never did that. But, that's a. I feel like that's a dangerous game to play because aren't there like major arteries all throughout your neck? You put it in your jugular, you're done, man. Oh, but the then you, then you've great. got yeah. Then you. <laughs> <laughs> it, I hear it's so good that you meet Jesus. <laughs> it's a hell of a high. But back to what you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. You um, you were doing the. You don't do benzos. Mm -mm. You never did mesos. And so after you were doing this uh, methadrone, couldn't find it anymore. Mm -hmm. The uh, the local drug dealers didn't have any access to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so where did you kind of go from there in your journey of like so testing after, and experimenting? After I tried the methadrone, like I knew that I loved stimulants. 
mm-hmm. at the time, you know, and still the line was drawn at heroin, right? <clears throat> and once once I knew that I liked it high from the methadrone, I, I immediately knew that my my life was going to be a little different, right, than was planned. Yeah. You know, I liked it so much that I knew that I wanted to try other things. And I knew for a I, I was completely set on the fact that, like, I don't care how my life is going to turn out. I'm going to try this other stuff at least once, right? Mm-hmm. It turned into the Molly for a little bit. Me and Hunter were big into the Molly, um, which gives you about the same high as the methadrone. Not not as much, De- depending depending on the dose, right? Right. Um, of course, when we did the methadrone, we're doing two lines in one. You know, that's possibly why it was so intense. Right. right? You were doing way too much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for Molly, um, because we snorted the methadrone, and I always snorted the Molly. It also gave you the same burn. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we later found out that if you actually eat it, like swallow it, mm-hmm. you get a stronger high and a longer high. So Molly. So how are you swallowing? Did it come in pill form? You can put it in pills. It's usually like crystals. Okay. And you can get it as powder. You know, it comes in a whole bunch of different forms, okay. right? Um, a lot of people like call moon rock. It's like a brown color. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a whole bunch of different kinds depending on purity, whatever. Um, but um, what we would do is literally just take the crystals. You know, a lot of times they're pretty they're pretty big. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not so much powder. Powder is easier to put in pills. Yeah. But we would just literally take the crystals, pop them, take some orange juice or whatever and swallow it down so you don't get the taste. Mm-hmm. You know, in an hour later you're high for six hours. Damn, okay. You know? And what um, what were you what are you doing in that six hour span while you're just high? It's off your just ass? it's different every time, man. You just you just go with the flow. You know, when you're in that mode, like it's always just go with the flow. You know, when I was doing heroin I had specific things that I liked to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Depending you know, heroin is chilling you know doing whatever you're doing man yeah and molly is running gunning so you know whether we're driving around town listening to music or um you know playing basketball you know whatever it whatever we did during those six hours was always active Mm -hmm. right when i was on heroin whatever i did in those four hours was you know something relaxing video games tv whatever it is so Mm -hmm. you know you find things to do you know and once you find what you enjoy doing while you're in that that Mm -hmm. high frame you know that's what you stick with right Mm -hmm. and that's what i did and um you know once we did the methadrone the the big the big thing for me was going on wikipedia you know finding these different things that were I would actually go to the controlled substances page on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. go to the unscheduled, I think it was, un- or no, class one, which are the completely illegal ones that you can't prescribe. Schedule two is where you find like Adderall and Ritalin, yeah. you know, that's the highest you can get prescribed. Right. You know, there's, there's a medical benefit to it. However, there's an extreme rate of addiction, right? right? That's a schedule two. Schedule one is things that the government does not want you to find out about. <laughs> You know, and on Wikipedia, they have a list. They have a list of all the drugs. They made it easy for me. They had a list of all the drugs that are in Schedule 1, right? Mm. Or at least, like, the general name, like how we talked about cathinone has different, you know, categories. You know, they gave you the general name, and you can further expand your search. Right, right. So, you know, I looked, you know, that's when I looked up the MDMA and 
messaged the guy. Mm. Um, I wish I could tell you. I'll tell you after we're done. It's 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 actually a really funny story too. Um, you know, between us, obviously mm. they're not gonna. You don't you, get to know. You unfortunately won't know. Um, it's you know. all right. Maybe yeah. one day you'll find out. Yeah. For before we continue though, please don't go out and use these drugs. Um, you know, the purpose of this video is not to talk about how great getting high is. It's about my journey and where I went and how I came out. Right. Um, and you can see a lot of it in the first video too. Um, because even though the beginning parts were, you know, happy go lucky and fun, you know, I found myself by the end of it, um, in places that I never thought I would be doing things I never thought I would do, um, you know, completely bankrupt, spiritually, mentally, and physically bankrupt, right? Um, just in a very bad place. So please don't think by these fun stories that, you know, you're going to want to go out and try this because I, it will ruin your life one way or another. You know, it, does, it may take 20 years, it may take three months, it will completely ruin your life, right? Especially if you have a, an addictive personality, right? So I just wanted to say that first, but... No, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and to, to add on to that, the reason why I have this podcast and the reason why I have you on is because, yeah, we're talking positively about the drugs, mm -hmm. but the reason why I'm asking you these questions <laughs> is so that anyone watching can understand what it does without having to do it right so that's why you that's, having done that's, it that's is, definitely the 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 viewer's mindset needs to be in that exactly position. understand that these experiences that he's talking about are in fact real experiences that he went through and there are positives to it but as the episode goes on and as we talked about in the last episode it leads you down a dark path mm -hmm. so just listen to the episode listen to his experiences understand what he went through both positive and negative mm -hmm. But leave it at just that. This is not a video where we're telling you, hey, go try these drugs out because right. these are the effects, because it's never going to end well for you. Right. right. Um, back to what <laughs> no, you're saying. Perfect. No? That's perfect. I just wanted to get that off just because no, I, I know we're, we're talking about good stuff. But um, so, yeah, we, you know, we messaged that guy. We got the Molly. And, you know, I did, I did Molly for a long time. <clears throat> um, and, um, you know, then the cocaine came, right? Actually, the first time I ever tried cocaine was in college. I was 19, I believe. And there was this guy, his name is Tyler. You know, won't say last names here. Everybody's anonymous. Um, he was actually 26 or 27, mm. living on campus, going to college. Um, he was he was in our friend group that, you know, we had we had a group of like nine or 10 of us that we did everything together besides my fraternity brothers this this is the outside the fraternity mm -hmm. he um came up to me one night it was like four in the morning we had just partied you know we're trying to settle down for the night i think it was probably, probably just alcohol a lot of times in college it was really just drinking a whole fucking ton of beer mm -hmm. right yeah um a little bit of molly maybe if we can get it you know and nothing like that so this guy tyler comes up to me at four in the morning and says hey man i got a little bit of bag of coke I just bought it off some guy off campus. You know, you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, and I learned <clears throat> about myself and how I've learned in the past 19 months about my 19, yeah, 19 months mm -hmm. um, of recovery. And I learned a lot about myself and what 
what makes me tick and things like that, you know? Right. When my mindset was about partying, you know, having fun, making friends, you know, um, I had no defense against trying something, right? No defense at so all. So you were open to everything? Open to everything. Gotcha. Didn't matter what it was, right? Mm -hmm. You know, even in college, if somebody came up to me with a bag of dope, I probably still would have had no defense to say no. Right? Really? Okay. Probably so not. you didn't really have a line at that point. You were no. ready to go and party. Yep. But it at that point, it wasn't about like searching for it. Mm -hmm. It was just the fact <clears throat> that my my mindset was if they're doing it, I'm going to do it because I want to be friends with them. I want to get in with these people. Gotcha. So, Which a lot of people have that same like yep. they think that same way where it's like i i want to fit in so yes. i'm just gonna do whatever it takes to fit in right. with this group and that's that's how i've been my whole life right like i honestly like if we look let's look back at like middle school high school even elementary school and when i think about it i think you know i absolutely fit in everywhere i went mm -hmm. right i had a lot of friends um you know i i fit in everywhere i went however inside me i never felt like i was enough right right and when somebody would come up to me with drugs or that was the plan for the night we were going to have a good night and i knew that i was going to fit in for however many hours mm -hmm. you know i had no defense to say no and that's how it was with the coke so now did you question in re regarding that yeah um did you feel as though the drugs gave you like a, a barrier between who you are like yourself and who you portray because that's that's also what i realized for myself a few years ago the reason why i drank and the reason why i did coke so much mm -hmm. um well not, i didn't coke so much but i did coke mm -hmm. um and the reason was because whatever i did while i was drunk or high that isn't michael so if I do something and someone doesn't like it, oh, that wasn't me. My bad. But See, it gives me was... the ability to just do whatever mm -hmm. and be that life of the party because it's not me that's doing these stupid things. So if you don't like it, it's not that you don't like me. You don't like drunk me. Right. And like it gave me a kind of like a barrier so people couldn't be like, I don't like Michael. Like, oh, I don't like drunk Michael. Very different. See, mine was the complete opposite. Really? Right. I always knew, right? that when I was high with these people, I was in with them. We were on the same wavelength, mm -hmm. right? And that I could always be myself without having any sort of repercussions because everybody else was in the same mindset. Of just being genuine to themselves? Yes. Really? I, I felt like, I'm not saying that when I was high, I was me. You know, I'm me right now. Mm -hmm. However, I always felt like I could be myself when I was high mm -hmm. and you know, I don't have like social issues or anything, mm -hmm. but like, I always knew like, if I didn't know this person, right. Or, um, we're not really friends, but you know, we're acquaintances or whatever. I knew that if I was high and they were high and we could all just be together and have a good night that no matter what happens, I can, I, I can open up, I can make friends, I can, when we have this common bond. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I could be myself when I was high, rather than having a scapegoat saying like, oh, that was high Alex, 
you know, that, okay. that's how it was for me. So it gave you kind of a sense of brotherhood between everyone because yeah. you're all on the same thing. Yep, and it and it made me feel like I fit in, right? And that's okay. that's how I filled that mm-hmm. that feeling inside me, right? Mm-hmm. So now, did you do that same thing? And because I know in high school you really didn't do any drugs, so how did you see that? Like, what what are some like signs that that's how you were in like high school, for example, when you didn't? Because you and I both didn't drink or do drugs up until senior year of high school. Right. So where most people, 9th, 10th, 11th grade, are partying and doing all that, we didn't. So where did you notice that in yourself then when you weren't even doing it? Like kind of like warning signs well, to say. Well, I actually did go to Matt's parties in 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Okay. I was invited to every single one of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, I didn't drink for a lot of them, mm-hmm. but I mean, I did drink from 10th, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Oh, not so a, you did drink. Not a lot. Okay, gotcha. Yep. But always at those parties, right? I was only friends with a handful of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Ben, Dan, um, Sal. Mm-hmm. You know, I was with that group, mm-hmm. right? They were my friends. But there was always, you know, 10, 15 other people that, you know, I was never the best best friends with, like, the girl group mm-hmm. that would, was always there, you know? Yeah. Maybe a handful of them. But, again, like, I felt like I fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because, like, I'm getting invited to these parties, mm-hmm. right? And I still didn't feel like I fit in. Right. You know, when 90% of our grade. I didn't go. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah, I was, never got Never was even. Yeah. Invited. Right. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, you did fit in, but you felt like you didn't. Exactly. Wow. And that's, yeah. And that's how I, and I filled that hole with drugs and alcohol, you know? Okay. Yeah. So it's been a common theme for you. Mm-hmm. And so in college, when you were doing this with people and you were doing it, you were all doing the same drug and that made you feel a sense of brotherhood, a sense of uh, similarity between them. That's what you were doing is you were basically saying like, we're all being vulnerable with each other right now. Mm -hmm. So now we all know the real each other. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Even though, you know, when you're high, you're not yourself, Mm -hmm. but a lot of these drugs make you like Molly, for example. It makes you spill your fucking guts, man. Really? Yeah. Like, okay. Molly is, what's the word? Sympathomedic or something like that. And these synths, whatever types of drugs, Adderall, Ritalin, cocaine, Molly, mm-hmm. stimulants usually in general, right? Mm-hmm. They give you this sense of, like, I love everybody and I love the world, right? Yeah. And it makes you want to tell people like your deepest, darkest secrets because you feel like you had this connection with them. Mm. And uh, even when I wasn't doing those drugs, I felt that connection. That's why that's why I liked it for, you know, for a little bit, you know. And obviously, as my story progresses, you know, it turns into me doing it by myself and, you know, isolating and Mm. getting worse and worse and worse. And so where was that? Where was that transition for you? Like where you went from? So was it, did you initially start doing heroin, though, in a group? I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story. Please do. I remember the first time I did heroin. I remember the first time you did heroin. No, this is before, you weren't with me. You didn't, is, that's not the day that you came to me and told me that you were on heroin? No. Oh, I no. don't know, I, I don't know the first time. Actually, Let's I don't hear remember it. telling you that. I don't know. I remember you came to me, I was working at Friendly's, mm-hmm. uh, doing a night shift as the as a waiter. And you pulled up, called me or texted me and said, come out to the parking lot. I came out and you told me like, dude, I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life. Da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, what'd you do? And you're like, I did heroin. 
No. But that wasn't the first I time. I remember that now. But no, that was not the first uh, time. Oh, you sneaky little dub. First time. Do you remember? He's a, uh, actually, to, to make this kind of a little bleak, right? Mm-hmm. The first person to give me a bag of heroin is now dead, right? Um, I'll say his name because he's dead, right? Chris Cato. Oh. Worked Fridays. at Fridays. Oh. Dang. So That's I was cool. hanging out with him one day. I thought we were going to get Coke or something, right? Mm-hmm. He pulls up to this house and buys a couple. They were called stamp bags back in the day. I don't know if they're still sold like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And luckily for us, right, heroin in 2013, 14 was still heroin. Mm-hmm. There was no fentanyl. There was, you know, none of Thank that, God. none of that going around. Thank God. Yes. And I got a bag of fentanyl. We'll get there. But, um, so he picked up a couple stamp bags. Stamp bags were $10 basically. Mm-hmm. They were just one hit done. Mm-hmm. All right. He asked me if I wanted some, like, a, you know, a bag or two. And I told him, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks for two of them. And I, again, I had no defense, right? Mm-hmm. You just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to fit in. And honestly, by that point, I was ready and willing to try it. You know, I wanted, I wanted the big dog, right? I wanted to go all the way. What made you decide that you wanted to go all the way? Like, was it just because you've done it all? I've done everything else. So it's time to... It's time to graduate, right? Gotcha. Okay. So... I bought the two stamp bags, and I went home. Nobody was home. I was lucky. I don't know where they were. I ripped open one of the stamp bags, poured it out, knowing that it was one line. Mm-hmm. I was scared shitless to do this shit, man. Mm-hmm. I, you know, let's let's think about the general thing about heroin, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Cobain, or Kurt, Chris, Kurt, Chris Cobain, <laughs> Kurt Cobain, right? Uh-huh. Dead. Lane Staley, another singer from Seattle, Alice in Chains, dead, mm. right? Um, what's his name? Jimi Hendrix, dead, mm. right? The singer for, um, I think, The Doors, James, James Morrison, Jim Morrison, dead, heroin. People are dying all the, all the time from heroin. And this is before even fentanyl was, it's like, pure OD. this is just heroin, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was so scared to do this, so I... I took, I was going to snort it because that's all I had to do with it. You know, I watched Chris actually, um, he smoked, he put on foil, lit under and smoked the vapors. And, you know, he told me not to do it that way because it hit stronger. I, I, I don't know. Uh, okay. So I, I took a line about this big. Okay. The bag probably would have been like this long. I don't know if they can see that, but like this long. Mm-hmm. And I did a line about that big because I was so scared that I was going to overdose. Mm-hmm. So I snorted it. Waited about 10 minutes, and I'm like, I don't feel anything. So I ripped open the second bag and did the whole thing. <laughs> Holy shit. He said, this little bum didn't do anything, so let's do a full line. Yeah. So it, two, two. Two full lines. You did two full I did lines? both the bags. Oh, my God. And, uh, Damn. And then I, so I, sat really back, I sat back on the bed. I turned on the TV, and the next thing I knew was morning. No. So was it even a good high or just put you out? Can't remember. Can't remember. Wow. But something about it, right, mm. made me want more. What about it made you want more? I have no idea. Really? I'm yes. sure I am sure I felt it for a little bit and was just completely zoned out, right? Mm-hmm. 
I guarantee you I knew. So you have no idea if your parents, did your parents come home? Probably. And you have no idea if a conversation ensued or anything. The the thing is, is that I got myself ready for bed, got in bed and slept. Oh, you did things. Yeah. And and I don't remember. Oh, wow. Yeah. But obviously in the moment I remembered because the next day I knew I wanted more. I was like done. And off that first hit, well, not the little bump, but the, you know, let's think about it all together, right? Mm -hmm. The first hit. All those other drugs that I tried were out of my brain. Mm -hmm. Never again. I can swear, right? Fuck that. Mm -hmm. Right? I didn't want anything to do with cocaine, molly, alcohol, Benz, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Didn't want anything to do with it. I knew all I wanted to do was heroin. Mm -hmm. And that is when I became a drug addict, right? From that moment on, I would do anything and everything to get that drug, right? It made me feel so good, mm-hmm. right? I would do anything for it. And if I couldn't get heroin, I was getting Percocet, Vicodin, um, which are all opiates, by the way, opiates. So it gave you a, did it give you a similar kind not of feeling Not as much, then? not as, it, not like. Like a really watered pill, down. The pills are like, you know, taking a pill, you know, it takes 30, 40 minutes to kick in and then you feel it and. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a good feeling, but it's nothing like heroin. But I knew that it was similar, so I would do it if I couldn't get heroin. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, Chris Cato overdoses. And uh, I'm addicted to heroin, right? Mm-hmm. If I didn't have it, I knew that I didn't have it. I get restless legs when I go to bed, um, back pain, withdrawal symptoms. Right? Ah, okay, gotcha. Just in maybe six months of doing it. Really? Were you doing it every day Not during every day. the initial six months? Not every day, but it no. picked up to every single day. So when you first started, what was it? Like you did it and you wanted to find it again and maybe like a week later you got more? Or was it like you were able to find it? I days? got it the next day. Oh. Right. I got it the next day. And eventually I was able to start remembering what the high was like. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would, you know, sit down, watch TV. I'd play video games and I would just be in my zone, man. However, there were scary parts, mm-hmm. right? There were other nights where I don't remember, right? Mm-hmm. I would be out. We go to Matt's house, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would do a couple stamp bags, and I'd come home and I'd open up my computer. I'd be on my knees, and the computer's on the bed. Fall asleep. Mom walks in at three a.m. Like, what the hell are you doing on your knees? And it was scary, mm-hmm. right? I can't imagine the fear in my mom's, my stepdad's sister, who was. 10 years old yeah you know scary mm-hmm. what is happening to my son were you giving off signs where they were recognizing it was a different alex yeah really yeah. did they bring that up to you no nope, never they just kind of and if they away. ever did bring it up to me it became this big huge fight yelling screaming like i i would get extremely offended so it came, I, it came up one maybe one time i punched scott in the face in a oh, fight once why yeah I just didn't want him in the room. I can't, really? there was no reason. I just, my moods were swinging left and right. If I wasn't high, I was angry. If I wasn't high, I was anxious. I was irritable. I just hated everything. Mm-hmm. My mindset went from this kid who graduated 12th in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Who was, we'll say popular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, had a lot of friends, had a lot of things going for him, you know, got into a great school, um, all gone. I was working at a restaurant mm -hmm. and spending every single money and tips that I got that night on heroin, right? Mm -hmm. And my life went from here slowly, 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 and then here quickly. Mm -hmm. Like the heroin just did it. Took over. Done. Gone. You know, my life was completely unmanageable. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do recall the mood swings uh, when Dude. you were in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. There were uh, a couple times, a couple times that I remember. One time, uh, one of the managers at Friendly's mm -hmm. said that you, uh, you, you got like angry with him. You were making a salad, oh, and yeah. Yeah. you messed it up. And he said, "What are you doing?" And you actually like got defensive about your salad. Yeah, and and, and same thing with him too. I, I was clocking. I was like doing a. Um, in order on the computer and he needed to avoid something. He comes up to me, he's like, Alex, I've been avoiding you all day. And I said, fuck you. And I walked in the back and he grabbed me and we got into this big art. Yeah. I, really? My life was literally just gone, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the fact of this, right? Doesn't matter how long it takes. You know, my story is quick and short and it was hard and just quick, right? Somebody else's may take 15 years for them to get to that point, 30 years to get to that point. But eventually the drugs do take over. And then, you know, you know, I, I ended up quitting friendlies because of that fight. Right? Oh, really? That's why you quit? I quit. I didn't know yep. that. I walked out that day with all my tips. <laughs> oh, wow. And the money that the customers paid me. Mm -hmm. I grabbed all that and ran. Nice. Stole from my job. One thing I would never do ever, right? Damn. Stole hundreds of dollars from my job. Mm -hmm. And that night, I went to somebody's house that I didn't know to buy dope. Mm -hmm. Shot me up. Was that your first time doing shooting up? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And he shot me up, and I said yes because I had no defense. I was addicted, right? Mm -hmm. Completely addicted. And this, all of this happened from college, 18 years old, to 21. Three years. Took that is three quite years. a journey. It took three years that. for me to get from point A to point B. I didn't realize how short that was. Like, looking yeah. back, like looking back on that, it, it seems like it was longer. It but felt like it took forever, In all right? reality, yeah, yeah. You left for college, and you, in the... I remember the the one thing I remember like your that your lowest point in my memory mm -hmm. was after you got in the car accident. Oh yeah, and that that to me seemed like it was like very long between you going to college and that. And but in the, reality, the that was a couple years. Car accident was a hit and run. Another thing I would never do. It was a hit and run. I ran. I ran from that accident. So you hit somebody, backed out, and just dipped. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. Your hood was like flipping up on the way home on four ninety. <laughs> I had to pull over like six times to put it back down. People were just driving by you like, uh, yeah. something's going on. Who there. knows? The reason I hit and ran was because I had stamp bags all over the floor of my car. Oh damn. That wouldn't have been a good look if the cop came. Hmm? Were you high at that time? Yeah. 
So oh, you yeah. were high at that time. Oh yeah. Okay. So why did you did you hit them because you didn't realize like what was going so on? The, or? So basically, the story is, um, I got high. Mm-hmm. I was actually dropping a friend from Friendly's off at home. Okay. What was his name? Vince. Uh, Angry guy. Yeah, the ice cream kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Vince. I dropped him off. I drove over to again nobody somebody's house. Mm-hmm. You know, picked up some stuff, did it, did a line. Um, I was at a stoplight. Mm-hmm. I nodded out at the wheel. Is that a common thing with heroin? Is nodding out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So nodding out is basically like falling asleep. Yeah. You know, yeah. Excuse me. Um, nodded out at the wheel. I woke up. I thought it had been minutes, right? The light was green. I wasn't looking. I floored it, thinking the people behind me are pissed off. I went right into an old lady. She must have been 80 years old, probably had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. I backed up, drove to the side, gave her a thumbs up, make sure she was okay. Off I went. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Did I she gave give her a thumbs, a thumbs up. up back? I don't know. Probably not. She looked terrified, man. She looked terrified. Give her a thumbs up and left. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. As you can see, you know, went from happy-go-lucky stories to, you know, what are we talking about now, right? Hit and run, stealing from your job. Right. That's where the drugs took me. And that's not even the low. We can, we can talk about my first overdose, right? I think that's a great, that's a great place to be. A great place to go to yeah. really show how this affects someone. So the first time I overdosed... Um, was actually not on heroin. It was on Percocet. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. No. No. Roxycodone. But not the, like, 10 milligram that everybody takes. An 80 milligram pill that, like, cancer patients take for pain. Jesus. Right? Okay. How'd you get your hands on that? Just someone had it? Someone from Fridays. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, actually, where I met Wayne. <laughs> Ah, and the, pe- the person I met way through, um, but this was like way after, like when I hung out with the, them, or I just ended yeah. up finding it, and uh, I took it, and I blacked out, gone, um, don't remember a thing, um, woke up um, in somebody's basement, just gone, and you know. Let me explain what an overdose is, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people think that overdoses mean that you die, you get narcan um, you know, you all of that. Technically, an overdose, depending on the, is dependent on the drugs, right? You know, heroin could definitely lead to, you know, a Narcan or a death, you know. Um, but like, there's de- several kinds of overdoses, like benzodiazepine overdoses is amnesia. Um, being discoordinated, uncoordinated. I mean, there's there's a list of symptoms. Doesn't mean that you necessarily pass out and die, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, an overdose is when you take too much, and the effects that you get are not what you expected, mm-hmm. and you don't remember a thing, and you know whatever happens, right? Right. Doesn't always mean that you need to like a Narcan or to die, or you know, and you know, death is part of it. Right. But it's not an extreme overdose. It's yeah, it's not like it, you know, what it people think it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, this time I woke up in somebody's basement, um, I was violently throwing up and like so and that was my first overdose, right? Mm-hmm. You'd think it would stop there, 
but it didn't. No. Nope. However, that was the first time that I decided that I would want to get help. Kind of. So it kind of pointed you in the right direction, at least. Kind of. So I was seeing a psychiatrist at the time, uh-huh. basically conning her for controlled substances. Which, if I recall correctly from our previous video, you did that in college as well. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. So I was seeing this lady who diagnosed me with schizophrenia. Actually, on a positive note, guys, right? I'm seeing a psychiatrist now to get a second opinion. All of my schizophrenic symptoms were not schizophrenia, so I do not have it. Actually, it was drug-induced psychosis. Really? Mm-hmm. So the symptoms that you were having, I'm sorry, we're going to go back to... Yeah, no, no, yeah. The symptoms that you were having, you were hearing voices, you were seeing things, and that was all drug-induced, drug-induced. psychosis. Drug-induced. So have you since not taking any drugs... Have those symptoms still been going on or not so much? I haven't had a single symptom in five years. Really? So you got diagnosed with schizophrenia when it wasn't that all along. Jesus. Yep. So uh, real quick, though, I, I do want, now that I know that, mm-hmm. what did you, so like, I remember one time we were leaving, we were leaving Levi and Evan's house. Mm-hmm. And you were driving home and you said that you saw something or heard a voice telling you to do something while you were driving. Can you go into detail on that? Just because I can't remember that. It, you said but that like while you were driving, basi- you were basically hear whispering in your Basically ears. using drugs over all that period of time constantly mm-hmm. changed the chemistry in my brain really? okay. to cause psychosis. Mm-hmm. And because I stopped periodically using the drugs that psychosis has gone away, right? Mm-hmm. Like my psychiatrist now is funny. She goes, uh, I've never sat in front of a schizophrenic and had a common, like a conversation that's been this coherent. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah so exactly. Like, yeah, so, so yeah, it's not, it's not schizophrenia. I don't know if I told you that. So what, you didn't? This yeah, is I don't know if I told you that. That's so, actually yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's not schizophrenia. So what were you, what are the things that you were hearing, seeing, whatever that made you and your therapist at the time believe that you had schizophrenia because i didn't tell her about the drug use well aside from that like what were you so you hearing, were hearing, without being hearing, high, voices, hearing yeah. voices and hearing seeing. voices seeing things um paranoia what were the voices saying do you recall what the voices were saying or what you saw uh, a lot of times it was basically just calling my name um there was one voice that i couldn't understand a shit thing what they were saying it, but it sounded like demonic actually speaking latin in your ear that's what it sounded like. I, as funny as that sounds, like that's what it sounded like. Ugh. But uh, it's just crazy. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's product of being sober and clean, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's insane because I did not think in a million years. I did not think that that would have been the outcome. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was just like, oh, he's got schizophrenia. Yep. Whole yeah. time, it's literally Drug dropping news. So the last five years, you haven't had anything. Because not a done single anything. symptom. Definitely. Well, I mean, I've done drugs in the last five years, but it wasn't like a... To the extent. To the extent, right. right. So, basically, my psychiatrist mm-hmm. did a drug test on me without letting me know. Came back positive for cocaine, benzos, which I was prescribed, so it didn't mean anything, mm-hmm. and uh, heroin. And she didn't, now, did t- it, she did didn't it tell me... Did it come in with heroin, or did it come in with a general opiates? opiates? Yeah. Gotcha. She didn't tell me, or she didn't tell me what it showed up as. It was her 
me, my mom, my stepdad. Oh, she called them in. And she said, what showed up on your drug test? So I had to say cocaine and not thinking that it would show up as opiates. I said heroin. And that was it. So now my mom mom and stepdad and psychiatrist, no. Out of your mouth. Out of my mouth. And my mom turns and asks me, she goes, are you going to get help? And I told her no. Wow. Told her no. I was in such a dark, dark place, mm-hmm. and I didn't think that there was a way out, and I was going to live and die by the needle. I was done. So I, you were I really dedicated think, to this. I didn't think that I could ever get out of the hole that I was in, mm-hmm. and that I was rather happy enough to just die than try to get my life back in order. I've lost so many years. I just, I didn't think it was possible. And retrospectively, you really did. Two years, three years. Yeah. And uh, the next day, I woke up and somehow had some sort of change of heart. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom and said, Mom, I need help. And that is how I live my life today, is asking for help when it's needed. Right? Mm-hmm. I was too proud. Too proud to ask for help. And today, I am not ashamed of it whatsoever because I know that I can get out of any situation I am in as long as I ask for help Mm -hmm. and with the program that I'm in I have a spiritual higher power you know that whose will I do that will always get me out of any situation I am in Mm -hmm. may not be good right Mm -hmm. but as long as I can rely on that higher power today I have faith that I will get through any situation unscathed, right? That's, that's what I've fantastic. learned. That's what I've learned. And I'm sure we'll get into the spiritual part of this too, but uh, I ended up getting help. I went to an outpatient at a hospital here, um, and then comes my second overdose. And the second overdose, I have the most guilt out of anything that I've done in my entire life. Why is that? I, one of my friends in the rehab that I was at, wanted to go hang out mm-hmm. after. We had no intention of getting high. I went to his house. We ended up driving. We were going to drive to a party just mm-hmm. to just to hang out with his friends. I guess it wasn't even a party, right? Mm-hmm. It was just um, like just a gathering. No drinking, no drugs. And we're driving there, and I turned to him. I said, you know, we're not real friends. I'm gonna get heroin together. So I went and get heroin, right? Mm-hmm. And this heroin had fentanyl. I took one bump, my anxiety went completely away, I felt great. Mm -hmm. About 30 minutes later, he turns to me and goes, do you want to do one more? Did the one more, and I died. My heart stopped. I was gone. Um, I woke up, kind of, in the passenger seat of my car, Mm -hmm. with him basically feeding me energy drinks to get me going again. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to call the cops. Didn't want to call an ambulance. Of course basically, not, yeah. basically left me for dead. I probably could, should have just died. Right. You know, something, and I believe this is my higher power today, right? Mm-hmm. Something wanted me to live. Right. Right. This greater power wanted me to live that night. And uh, my phone was dead. Couldn't call anybody. Um, we ended up going back to his house, I think. I, I, I just remember waking up 
in his basement on like some sort of couch at like five in the morning. My mom has no idea where I've been since 8 p.m. Um, I can't imagine. She's, she's probably, my son is dead. Oh yeah, absolutely. My son is dead, right? And I found um, his phone and I called my mom at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was clean for about two months at this point. Um, and she asked me, she said, do heroin? And I said, yes. But even though how bad that sounds, that was the first time I told the truth in probably five years. Wow. Right? Or whatever my use was at that time. That's huge. Though. Probably the first time I ever told my mom the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm a good liar, man. Mm-hmm. I've trained for years lying about stupid bullshit that doesn't even need to be lied about. But this is the first time I ever told the truth to her. That's a huge no matter, step. No matter how bad she felt. No matter how relieved she might have felt to hear from me. Mm-hmm. Finally told the truth. And that's another part of my recovery today. It's telling the truth. No matter how bad it sounds, it's mm-hmm. always better than lying about it. 100%. Right? I'm sure you agree with that, uh, right? Absolutely. Um, so that was my second overdose. And by that time, I finally said, all right, let's try it. So I went to a group, the mm-hmm. group that I'm in now. However, I never did anything with it. Right? I never got the sponsor that they talk about, somebody who would take you through the 12 steps. It's a 12-step program. I can say that. I just mm-hmm. won't say the name of it. Um, and I did everything they told me not to do. Right, But I didn't think that I was an alcoholic. Therefore, I still drank. Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't doing heroin, it was okay. Um, for the viewers, right? I haven't done heroin since June, January 8th of 2015. However, I have done other drugs because while I was going to this group, I was still drinking Mm. and eventually I picked up the cocaine again and eventually I was using Percocet again. So even though I haven't done heroin, Percocet basically counts for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and uh, I did that for another five years. You did the Percocet for another five years? Mm Mm-hmm. And not every day. You, not every day. Stop that. So <clears throat> that comes to my third overdose, which you know about. I was living with Justin. Mm-hmm. I think you might know about this. Um, and this actually, guys, this actually comes to the part of my story where I work on my recovery and get out of my addiction. Right. So we're getting to the good part. Um, so I had my third overdose. Um, summer, my girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. We decided to end things mainly on her prompt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was treating her awful. Okay. I I have no relationship skills at this point. You know, I wasn't working on myself. Right. right? Exactly. I was using you drugs. Didn't I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I was treating her bad and I wasn't meeting her needs. And we basically called it off. I was completely distraught. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle um, drove to my apartment. And we traded Adderall for Xanax. Wow. First time I ever did a benzo to get high. He gave me three bars, which is six milligrams of Xanax. Mm-hmm. For anybody that wants to know, the average dose of Xanax is 0.5 milligrams. I took one of those bars mm-hmm. just to get the anxiety gone. Mm-hmm. Right? I wasn't even attempting to get high. Mm-hmm. Next thing I knew, right? I was 
waking up for work the next day. Didn't know where I was completely. I don't remember anything from when I took that first Xanax until that the next night. I ended up hitting my roommate's car on the way to work. Hitting two parked cars in the tops parking lot while trying to park to have him come and pick me up. In the middle of an overdose, I'm driving. Okay. Drove over the tops median three times. Okay. And he came and picked me up, drove me to work, and uh, my mom and Summer actually came. And really? We, you know, we're talking, I'm telling my mom what I've done, the Coke, the Percocet, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and Summer ended up driving me to this place called Open Access, which is in Rochester, New York. It's a place where they find rehabs for people who need help. Mm-hmm. And I said, she basically dropped me off and said, good luck. Yeah, right? she dropped you off. She, she, well, she stayed for a little bit. I walked in and everything, but I sat outside Open Access for a few hours deciding whether or not if I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And I walked in there and I got help. And that, um, that's the last day I've taken a drink or a drug. Wow. Last day I took a drink or a drug. They got me into a place in Syracuse called Tully Hill. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because I had the diagnosis of schizophrenia at the time, they couldn't meet my needs. Mm-hmm. So instead, I went back to the same outpatient that I did earlier. However, this time was different mm-hmm. because of my entire past, the three overdoses, being in this dark place, not thinking I could get out. Mm-hmm. Addiction literally ruling my life. Being in the hole, thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, going to places I never thought I'd do. Um, buying prostitutes, right? Bought two. Didn't know that. Two. How'd that go? They gave me drugs for it, that's why I did it. Huh? Yeah, they, they walked up to me, mm-hmm. I'd pay them, they give me drugs, and then we would just do it. Okay. So I didn't. I guess I didn't really buy the prostitute. It was kind of like a mutual exchange. Took a buy one get one free. Yeah, buy one get one free. But I did it, and it's okay. something I would never do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. None of this sounds like you. I just. I was gone. Mm-hmm. I was finally ready and willing to do everything I needed to do to get out of this place that I was in. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had a place to go, which is the group that I'm in now, the twelve step group, right? And finally, I admitted to myself that I have a problem with not only heroin, mm-hmm. but Percocet, cocaine, Molly, every drug out there, and alcohol, which is the one thing I didn't want to give up because I didn't think that I had a problem with it. I could control it. Mm-hmm. But this time, I finally said I was done. I'm going cold turkey, everything. Mm-hmm. Not taking a single thing unless I was prescribed it, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to that group September 24th of 2021, which is not my actual sobriety date, but it's the date that I call my sobriety date because it was the first time I went to the group. Okay. I don't actually know the day that I quit everything that that day that I was in the overdose. I can't even remember what week it was, you know, Mm -hmm. sometime in August of that year. And I've been clean and sober ever since. I haven't taken a drink or a drug since. Do you want to hear how my life is today? I do. But do you before, have a couple of questions? Yeah, yes. go ahead. Um, <clears throat> so obviously, the 
the goal here of this video is to make it so that people don't have to go down the path that you went mm -hmm. in order to realize that sobriety is the way to go and to get help yeah. is something that you need to do. Yeah. Uh, so for somebody who's maybe dealing with addiction, whether it be cocaine, alcohol, whatever, and they want to stop, what is something that you can say helped you in your decision to just stop doing it all? So it's not that easy, right? No, it doesn't sound easy at all. There is, there, it's not going to stop unless you're ready to, mm -hmm. right? I had to go through three overdoses and I had to lose, I didn't lose anything, right? I gave everything away. Mm -hmm. how I think about it, right? Right. I gave away friends. I gave away family. I gave away money. I gave away a girlfriend. I gave away my car. I gave away everything mm -hmm. to get high, right? I was sick of giving things away, and I wanted to get things back. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I was finally at that bottom to where I was ready to ask for help and get the help I needed. Mm -hmm. It's not so easy to say, you know, hey, you're, you know, I have a problem with cocaine, um, I don't know how to stop. How can I stop? It's not, unfortunately, if you're not ready, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right? So for anybody listening, even if you're not ready today, if you want to maybe get into a position where you might be ready, think about your bank account, right? Is it bankrupt? Think about your family. Do they not even want to see you? Right? Think about your friends. Do you have any? Right? Mm -hmm. Do you want that back? Right. If you want that back, then you got to get ready. Put in the work. Mm -hmm. and change yourself. If I can make the most important point of this video. What? Right? Addiction is not a disease of taking drugs and alcohol. Right? Mm-hmm. Drugs and alcohol are not the issue. Right. You are the issue, right? It's myself that needs to change to get over this issue. I need to work on myself. <clears throat> the first thing I needed to do was admit that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And that's the first step. Whether you're in a 12-step program or not, that's the first step anyway. Mm -hmm. You get acknowledged that you're an alcoholic and a drug addict. And it's not a bad Right. Right? There, are, the real, there yeah. are hundreds of thousands of drug addicts out there, and there are hundreds of thousands that have gotten clean and sober for more than 30 years, 40 years, mm -hmm. right? And the first thing that they ever did in their road to recovery is admit to themselves that they have a problem with drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. right? And the, the biggest thing that you need to understand is that my name is Alex, and yes, I'm a drug addict and alcoholic, but what I should say is I'm a drug addict and alcoholic, and my problem is Alex, right? Mm -hmm. To change your thinking and your behaviors in order to get over the situation that you're in. If you can change the way that you think, if you can change the way that you behave, mm -hmm. and it takes work you can get over any issue that you have in your life. That's absolutely true. That is absolutely any issue true. that you have in your life. So now that you're not doing any of that, do you, so you don't drink, 
Mm-mm. You don't do any drugs anymore. Nope. Now, do you think that the reason for that is because you hit the rock bottom? Because there's yes. there was an interview with uh, Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. He said the only way to the only way to get better or the only way to fix yourself is to hit rock bottom. Yes. Now, do you That's think that's the most that, true statement and, I've ever heard? Do you think that anybody watching this who's maybe in the midst of it all who hasn't hit the rock bottom yet, but understands like, because I'm sure while you were doing the heroin and you didn't hit your rock bottom, you thought to yourself like, this might be becoming an issue. Yeah. Someone who maybe has those thoughts entering their head. What is something that maybe they can do so they don't have to hit the rock bottom? Ask because for help. Ask somebody for help immediately. If you know that you're going that way, mm-hmm. nip it in the butt immediately. You do not have to hit a rock bottom to get sober. Right. Right. <clears throat> or clean, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. You do not have to hit rock bottom. It's easier if you hit rock bottom. If you to lose know, everything. If you lose everything like I did, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot easier to, to ask for help, right? Ask somebody for help, whether it be a mentor, a friend, a family member. Ask somebody. I, I have a problem with drugs. I have a problem with alcohol. I need help. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. If it's somebody very close to you, even if you gave them away, mm-hmm. right? Like let's like when you left my life, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure that if I came to you and said, Michael, I need help, you'd probably go find help, 100%. right? Right? One hundred percent. You're my best friend, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what we've been through. I know that if I went to you and asked for help, you would at least either go online or you'd go to the next person that would be able to help and say, my friend needs help. What can you do for them? Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing, if, if you have not hit rock bottom yet, if you don't know that you can stop on your own, if you do not have the willpower, which not, none of us do, mm-hmm. none of us addicts have enough willpower to stop, mm-hmm. just ask somebody for help and the help will come. And that's the hardest part because we've, as addicts, our whole using career have been afraid to ask somebody for help because we think that we got this, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to get out of this myself. Mm -hmm. For me, the 12 steps got me sober and got me working on myself, but a higher power of my own understanding. It's not religious. It's my own understanding. Keeps me sober and clean 24 hours at a time i take this one day at a time that's that's how to make it manageable that's how simple it is one day at a time Mm -hmm. with the help of a higher power that only i understand Mm -hmm. if you're christian great you've got a better understanding than i do Mm -hmm. but if you're an agnostic if you're an atheist all it has to be is your own understanding when i started trying to find my own spiritual higher power I took a look at things like the wind. Can I make the wind blow? No. Can I make the sun rise? No. Make the moon come out, the stars. Can I make the earth turn? Then there's a power greater than myself that does that. I rely on that to keep me sober. Right? Yeah. If I give up my will, and this might be a little confusing to some people because I can't really get into the program very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell my experience, of course. Um, you know, if if I can just 
give up all of my will, my will to do anything to this higher power, then I don't have to do anything mm -hmm. to keep myself sober. That power greater than myself that I rely on, that I know will never let anything bad happen to me and keep me sober as long as I keep it in that 24-hour period, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And that's a, I had a, I had somebody on the podcast, uh, our, our first episode back uh, in season two, and he was talking about how he is, he, he's big into spirituality now and the higher power and all of that. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about how you kind of meditate on it, you know, like, so he talks about how he'll go home, he'll meditate, he'll be like, uh, he'll meditate on a goal that he has. Yeah. And he'll go home and he'll meditate on that goal daily or every couple of days. And in doing so, he feels as though there's, it's almost as, as if there's someone behind you kind of pushing you in the yeah. direction well, as I opposed have, to just doing it all yourself. I have God moments every single day. Do you? You know what I mean? Every single day I find something that's this power that works in my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had a power save my life three times. Yes. Three times. Not Some people don't even get one. Mm -hmm. Three times. That's not powerful enough for you then. I don't know what is. That's powerful as hell. Um, so I will say this though, just to everybody. Um, you know, this program, this 12-step program, it works for me. Um, it's worked for thousands of people. Um, I recommend trying Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Heroin Anonymous, if that's your problem, anything anonymous. There's there's groups, thousands, hundreds of thousands of groups across the United States, England. France, wherever you're watching, they have some sort of 12-step group for you. And that's what worked for me, working the 12 steps and finding that higher power. Mm -hmm. But in my life, like, I find that if I just give up my will in the morning, the day just gets so much easier. I don't have all this baggage on my shoulder. Right. And to the meditation part, like, I meditate twice a day. Really? In the morning, <clears throat> just about my day, what my plans are for the day. Mm -hmm. And at night, I just think about the day and what happened. Who did I help today? Um, was I was I kind and courteous to other people? Just being a better person, you know. And through doing these kind deeds and you know working the twelve steps and you know working on myself, understanding what makes me tick, understanding why I seek drugs and alcohol. Um, <clears throat> why do I lie? Why do I? Why do I harm others sometimes? You know, um, understanding that and knowing that about myself allows me to fix it. And mm -hmm. when I fix the underlying issue, drugs and alcohol just float away. I haven't had a craving for heroin, alcohol, cocaine, any of it in probably a year. Not one wow. single craving, right? That's strong. And that's all because of a 12-step program and working on myself. Mm -hmm. It's all about yourself, right? Absolutely. This is the only time in your life that you can make everything about yourself. Okay? Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. And to kind of switch over to a lighter note, because yeah. I, know, I know your life has changed significantly mm -hmm. since you're you know, stopping months. doing all this and being sober. Months, yeah. 19 months sober. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, let everyone know, anyone who's watching who maybe might be battling addiction or know somebody who is, 
what is going on in your life right now since stopping mm -hmm. to show them that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah. if you really believe in this higher power and you really believe in getting yourself help, mm -hmm. this can also be something for you. Yeah. So anybody out there watching that's battling with addiction. So through this whole podcast, <clears throat> you've heard how it started. Okay. You've heard where it ended up. Right. And I, I can say just talking about it, it didn't end up very well, right? Didn't end up good. No? <laughs> it did not end up well, no. It didn't. In just 19 months, I've made amends to all the people that I have harmed, including this guy, right? I made amends, right? I've been able to repair the relationships, the damage that I had done in just 19 months, right? I have formed a relationship with a higher power that keeps me clean and sober that I don't have to put any baggage on my shoulders. I can just give it all to him and let him worry about it. And I'm so carefree today, right? I am a medical student. I can go to school. I have a 3.9 GPA. Okay. I write music. My, um, my latest album on Spotify that I released on my one year sobriety date, it's called sober has thousands of streams um, beyond you know anything. Um, I have friends today that love me, that I love, that I can rely on. I have a family that is part of my life today that had given up all hope on me. I have a family that loves me that I can, you know, that I have. You know, there's nothing more important than family nothing more important than family. And I have that again. I don't have to rely on a needle, right? I don't have to wake up and get high just to keep the sick off. I just, I have a life that's beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I was in a position at my bottom where I didn't think that anything could, could get me out of this hole that I was in. And just in 19 months, I've risen out of that hole and way past it you know um if you're battling with addiction and you don't think that anything is going to change the way that your life is going ask for help ask for help because you know you can do this i did it i did it i got out of it and you can too just it takes a little bit of work you got to work on yourself. Get spiritual. You know, it doesn't have to be religious. Get spiritual. Find that higher power for yourself. And you can have a positive, successful life. Um, oh, and one more thing. Um, one of the biggest things that I was, when I first got clean and sober this time, um, that I was nervous about, I thought that I had wasted you know, 10 years of my life that I'll never get back. And that is false. You have not wasted any time of your life. There's always enough time in your life to change your behaviors and your attitudes and get clean and sober and lead a positive, fulfilling life. Um, I look forward to waking up every day clean and sober. You know, I thank my higher power every day to keep me clean and sober and thank him for keeping me clean and sober. Um, and I know that I don't have to rely on any drugs or alcohol 
ever again. I don't have to drink or drug today, tomorrow, the next day, or ever again, right? All I need to know is that I'm a good person. You're a good person. You're not a bad person. You just need help and you just got to ask for it because you can get out of that hole. That's all I no, you're, I mean, you absolutely killed it. Normally, I end the podcast by asking, you know, like, what is one thing you want people to take away? But honestly, I feel like that monologue that you just had kind of took care of everything. So one one thing, mm-hmm. um, before you post this podcast, mm-hmm. I'm going to create an email. Mm-hmm. And I'll give it to you to post in the comments. Mm-hmm. If anybody has any questions or needs help or wants to be guided in the right direction, they can email me. Okay, so you okay. heard that. Um, but one thing that I want to end with, because mm-hmm. I always got, we always got to end with something here. Yeah. Um, what does the future look like for you now? Future for me? Well, let's see. Um, it's tough to say with school because I kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of becoming a doctor. Okay. However, my major is math and I really like statistics. Okay. But doesn't matter what I go into, right? Mm-hmm. I will have a job mm-hmm. that I worked for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I won't be working minimum wage jobs ever again. That's always a plus. Um, my future though, the main part of my future that I see is that I see another at least 40 years, 50 years clean and sober. And that's all I want. Whatever else happens is just the gift of gift of sobriety, Mm -hmm. right? All that I care about is that I stay sober for the rest of my life and if I can do that, I'm happy. And speaking of happy, that's another thing. You know, I I was angry, irritable, sad, miserable. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm truly happy every single day. Every single day, I wake up happy, mm-hmm. and I have no issues on my plate because I just know I'm doing the next right thing. And that's all without the use of drugs and alcohol. All without the use of drugs and alcohol. And like I said, I don't have to, and they don't have to if they're suffering with addiction. They don't have to take another drink or drug right. don't have to right and i think the way that you described it is the way that people should look at it to make it more manageable just 24 hour windows 24 hours just at a time. one day at a time and yeah. that's it um but i wanted to thank you for coming on and ah, telling you your story having this follow-up episode yeah. i think this one was just as amazing as the yeah. first one if not better we there were there are things that the in the first one we didn't even talk about yeah we talked about on this one um you know? Anybody watching this, make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. In the description, there's going to be his email. Anyone battling addiction or know, or anyone who knows somebody who is battling addiction, email him directly and talk to him. He will give you advice. He is probably, out of everybody I know, the most knowledgeable on the subject and the most willing to help without any type of judgment whatsoever. Yes. Also in the description is going to be the links to episode one with Alex, where he talks about his battle with addiction, a little more di- different things, a little more in depth on some fa- in some parts and a little less in some parts. Uh, definitely worth the watch. And again, thank you for watching and have a great day. Thanks, guys.